It's Realistic Fitness. Here's Paul and Ian. Hey, welcome to another episode of Realistic Fitness. I am Paul, the guy that has absolutely zero expertise, but asks the obvious and oftentimes stupid questions. And I'm Ian, the physical therapist, the smart guy in the room. (laughs) (laughs) He likes to tout that. Speaking of smart guys, our guest, we have Seth Ginsberg on online. How are you, Seth? Hi, guys. How you doing? Doing Great, thanks. Great. Hey, tell us a little bit about, I mean, you are kind of a spokesperson internationally for, uh, well, for arthritis, I guess, in particular, right, with uh, creakyjoints.com. Tell us about it. Tell us a little bit about your history. Awesome. Yeah, so creakyjoints.org. I think .com will redirect you there also, but creakyjoints.org is the online patient community that I started along with my high school mentor 20 years ago uh, this October uh, in the need out of the need to bring people together in a positive environment to share strength and experience with each other. I've had arthritis since I was a little boy. I was diagnosed with spondylarthropathy at the age of 13 uh, and actually spent a good chunk of my high school life with the physical therapist, actually, um, strategically scheduled to coincide with uh, the French class and the geometry classes and the other classes that I needed excusing from. But uh, <laughs> smart man story. <laughs> no, Ian will write you a note anytime. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, but Creaky Joints today is a part of the nonprofit Global Healthy Living Foundation, GHLF which has the mission to improve access to care for people with all chronic diseases. And Creaky Joints remains focused on arthritis education, support, advocacy, and patient-centered research. So what got you to the point, like, what, tell us what it's like at 13 and having arthritis in the back, and what was the pain like? How did the PT help? And then, you know, kind of the progress from there. Yeah, I think people could um, probably relate to the story that I, I often share, which was the, the real signal that indicated something was wrong was a staircase that I was climbing between um, two classes, two periods uh, during eighth grade, um, when I got about midway up and thought, wow, my knees are really hurting. Uh, and uh, this staircase is not cooperating with me. Um, and then uh, later on that afternoon, uh, during Little League practice, uh, running to first base, realizing, whoa, uh, running hurts now. And these things, these symptoms um, got worse. And fortunately, uh, my mother, uh, who uh, has taken such great care of me over the years, especially as a child, of course, uh, was um, smart enough and um, caring enough to get me to a pediatric rheumatologist, a guy named Tom Lehman at the Hospital for Special Surgery. And it was there that uh, I was diagnosed with spondylarthropathy. Um, And, you know, I think the issue for for me at the time and for a lot of kids, over 300,000 young adults and children have arthritis, but many, many more, millions of kids obviously experience growing pain, very common. Um, actually, Dr. Lehman wrote a book called It's Not Just Growing Pains to talk about um, some of the symptoms and the um, pathology of these diseases that uh, could indicate it's, it's something a lot worse. And so I was um, you know, diagnosed very quickly or relatively quickly and began taking 
uh, medicine for it, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicine. And then throughout uh, the next several years, as I kind of came of age, uh, different parts of my body, different joints affected me in different ways, which again put me um, square in the sights of, of some really amazing physical therapists and occupational therapists. I remember there was a a good chunk of high school where my hands just weren't working well. And I, I just had incredible pain in my, my right hand, especially, which is a, a trouble, you know, an issue for a righty. And so uh, there I was doing all those exercises. Um, and I learned very quickly the importance of persistence and adherence. And it's not good enough to say, yeah, I did those exercises in between visits. You we always know if you did your that. homework. Yeah. <laughs> we can always tell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, um, and then, you know, I began my journey and my uh, personal experience fighting with insurance companies. I remember around the time I was 16 or so getting a letter from our insurance company saying that the medicine our doctor, my doctor prescribed was not going to be covered. And instead, I should take this other over the counter medicine. And I just remember thinking, like, who are you to tell me this? Like, this, this seems inappropriate. And that began um, my uh, now 20-plus year um, lifelong passion advocating for improved access to care. And so when I went away to college, it was literally uh, the second month of school. It was middle of the night, 3 in the morning. I was in my bunk bed staring at the coils above me and feeling quite miserable, wondering, where was everyone else going through something like this? And since it was the late 90s, the Internet was just coming around and, and becoming a thing. Um, we decided to create a website community, the first ever for people with arthritis, which was comprised of a diary, which is the word we used before the word blogs was invented, <laughs> um, that, that, um, that, that covered kind of my trials and tribulations, a good healthy dose of humor, a lot of expert advice, and then an extremely robust message board that hosted tens of thousands. I mean, it very quickly became very popular among um, the patient community on the internet as a place to vent, as a place to seek support, as a place to go in the middle of the night to, like I said, fulfill that objective, that first objective, so no one ever has to feel alone. Because arthritis and really any kind of pain is an awfully isolating thing and can make people feel uh, very alone and that can lead to lots of other um, mental health issues. And so um, bringing a positive attitude, bringing a little bit of humor, which of course is the best medicine, as long as your insurance company covers it. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a rich man if that was the right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, the, uh, you know, a lot of these elements are very important to us uh, uh, with Creaky Joints as a place people can now turn to and their families to both understand these conditions, understand how to manage these conditions, and most importantly, understand that there's hope with these conditions that, that they can get better and they, they can take control of their diseases. And that's has really your, our ethos. Mm -hmm. Has your arthritis, has it progressed in a good direction? How are you feeling now? Is it an ongoing issue for you or has it gotten a lot better or has it gotten worse? Thank you for asking. So I, I'm fortunate having uh, gone into remission. I was um, told, I remember very early on in my uh, patient journey being told about a third of kids with this get better, a third stay the same, and a third get worse. And I dipped. I had a, a pretty rough um, kind of teenagehood into my early 20s. Things leveled out. And then as I turned into my 30s, 
um, I took a little bit more of an active approach and began uh, having a much healthier lifestyle, included, um, you know, including the, the, the exercises everyone always says you need to do, um, but also having a better balanced diet and a really positive mental outlook. Um, with the now, um, I'm in a position where you know, I medicate as needed and you know, I work closely with my doctors to make sure that it stays that way. Uh, so I, I feel good. I've, I've always got a part of me that, that needs, that needs a little tender, loving care or rehabilitation or an MRI to figure out what's going on. Um, most recently my foot or a sesamoid joint or something like that, that, that would, uh, that does require uh, a lot of attention. But beyond that, I mean, the bigger picture is touch wood, jump three times or whatever your superstition is. Things are, are going really well. Thanks for Good for you. That's, that's good to hear. Now, Ian, as a physical therapist, do you have uh, a lot of patients or a percentage of patients where arthritis is oh, yeah, a certainly. reason they come? I mean, it's, uh, especially in your elder population, it's just a, it's a given. Our yeah. joints start to give out. Uh, you know, the, the, what happens is at the end of every bone is cartilage. Cartilage is like the shiny end of a chicken bone. When cartilage rubs on cartilage, no problem. But when that cartilage starts to wear away, you start to expose the bone underneath. And that bone underneath can get inflamed and irritated, and then it grows and grows into the space. So, um, you know, arthritis outside of Seth's case can start as early as 20 in our shoulders. That's the first joint in the body to show just a general onset of degeneration because of how much we use our arms. So it's not something that is just for the 65 plus population. It can be in any age really, um, but it, it's it's prolific. And it's the hard thing is to Seth's point is uh, for most cases, it's it doesn't get better. It doesn't, we can't, I always tell my patients, yeah. we can't turn back the clock. Right. But what we can do is do things to make it hurt less. So whether that be get stronger, strengthen around the joint, get uh, the muscles around the joint to be more flexible and or change, you know, your diet or what you're using to manage that pain to allow you to do more. It's a combination of everything and, and there's no one special sauce. Everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. S- Seth, what, what is your exercise regimen like now? Cool. Yeah. So I ride a bike, a stationary bike. And, uh, I do that every morning consistently. I, I'm actually, I've had as many as 57 days in a row, which is kind of cool. Uh, and I uh, do a lot of walking. I probably walk about four miles a day. I live in New York city. So walking is kind of par for the course here. Um, and so between those two things, you know, I'm, I, I keep, you know, as active as possible. And now I have a little toddler that also keeps me, um, fairly active. But from a structured exercise standpoint, um, I really enjoy a stationary bike because it's low resistance, right? There's no hard impact. And it gets my heart rate going um, considerably higher than anything else would. And uh, I could control it, and it's, it's pretty um, manageable from uh, just a physical and feasible standpoint. So I encourage folks to you know, talk to their doctors, their physical therapists, uh, and other healthcare professionals about what exercise is best for them. Um, you know, you might hear this high resistance, low impact um, concept thrown around, which is really important. Other exercises like that are swimming, excellent uh, form of exercise. Um, not as easy for me here, just from a logistical standpoint, but um, you got a giant you know, river you can swim in. I know, jump on the East River. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. it, 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 and then it, tomorrow's show about hepatitis. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yep. I was going to ask you about uh, creakyjoints.org and the, and the whole community that you have there. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are uh, suffering arthritis and you're, you're not as uh, in extreme pain as you were uh, when you were younger. What are people dealing with as far as pain remediation? And because uh, we've gotten on the topic a couple of times about CBD oils, uh, are people using that? And, and right now, it's it seems like it's only anecdotal evidence because... Our government, for some reason, refuses to do any tests with the hemp plant. Okay, so let's just put that can of worms back on the shelf for one minute. Okay. Because I think before we get there, and I'm, I'm excited to open it, by the way, but um, before we get there, let, let's just talk for a second about the two major types of arthritis. There is mechanical uh, inflammation, me- mechanical joint pain, which is uh, wear and tear of the joints or degenerative joint disease or osteoarthritis. This is your typical, you know, your grandparents, you know, form of arthritis, knees, hips, shoulders. Um, and then there's inflammatory arthritis, a completely different breed of arthritis. And this is an autoimmune form of arthritis where the immune system mistakenly attacks the joints and causes painful inflammation and then deterioration of those joints, literally from the immune system attacking the body itself. And this is called rheumatoid arthritis uh, or related forms are psoriatic arthritis, a little different, but still inflammatory. And then there's ankylosing spondylitis or AS which is inflammatory arthritis of the back or the spine. And those conditions, those types of arthritis are treated very differently, even though both types of arthritis, mechanical and inflammatory, um, will present with painful joints and and swelling. Um, The inflammatory arthritis is treated with what's called biologics, um, medications that are very sophisticated that effectively trick the immune system and uh, turn it around so it no longer attacks the body. And, and that causes, uh, that, that prevents, I should say, the um, deterioration and additional joint erosion or damage. And so um, we have symptoms, right? Layer one are the symptoms, and that could be pain. It could also be fatigue. Um, and then all the other things that come as a result, your mood and your sleep deprivation and things like that. Um, But if you go up a level and you start looking at kind of the the biology of these diseases, uh, it's important to determine what it is because you could go very different directions with treatment. And this is what, of course, Creaky Joints kind of spells out in hopefully it's clear and simple and easy to understand terms so people can have a better conversation with their doctor and their nurse and their physical therapist about their type of arthritis and the approach they want to take to treating it. And so um, when we talk about the treatments, um, we have to be careful that we're understanding the type of arthritis because when we start introducing things like CBD or THC, you know, medical marijuana or marijuana for medical use, um, these are uh, agents that, correct, do have good anecdotal evidence that they help in alleviating the symptoms 
like pain or fatigue or things like that. Um, but if a person, say, with inflammatory arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, um, were to abandon all other kind of traditional biologic or other kind of physician-prescribed and overseen treatments, um, there, there's a potential for some real harm and real long-term um, irreparable damage that can be done um, because, you know, CBD or marijuana for medical use uh, don't affect the immune system, don't address the disease activity, things like that. Um, when they could potentially be addressing or helping with the uh, symptoms, um, the biology of the disease remains uh, there and very a serious threat to the to the person. And so, um, I want to put that out there. I hope that's clear. I know it's a little complicated, but it speaks to the need for more information, more education on these subjects, uh, so that people don't mistakenly assume that out of the heavens, you know, part the clouds and you know, the miracle cure comes down in the form of, you know, CBD uh, beard oil that you can rub on your face every morning, and that will magically, um, you know, cure you of all your ailments. Um, when, you know, under the care of a doctor and the supervision of a medical professional, you know, understanding what's causing these symptoms and then treating that, uh, the cause of it, as well as helping to alleviate the impact of those symptoms could be the best combination forward. So long story short, um, these are interesting and really important things to look at, CBD and marijuana for medical use, as adjunct treatments, as additional components to uh, you know, a treatment protocol. But to your point, they, they definitely lack, we lack strong evidence-based information. We lack any technical or medical guidance about it. And so right now, uh, you may have heard people refer to this as kind of the Wild West of um, marijuana and CBD. And uh, that's what our organization is calling on, you know, the public as well as the government and policymakers and regulators to very, you know, effectively tighten up um, what we know about it, what we're studying about it, and how we can apply those learnings to our treatment. So does your parent organization, do you uh, engage in uh, lobbying directly? We do not. As a 501c3 nonprofit, we are an advocacy organization, which is uh, very different from technically a lobbying organization. And so the difference is advocacy is education. And so we educate on these subjects and we educate, uh, and that includes lawmakers and policymakers and regulators about um, the impact, for example, of these conditions on our community. We educate about um, the unmet needs of our patient community. And we hopefully, you know, raise the voice of patients in need of these treatments and this relief so that our government can uh, address those needs and, and um, you know, regulate and make laws that can be patient-centered and patient-friendly. So a little bit of a technical answer there to that question, um, just to, to be very clear. Uh, well, you we don't can, actually lobby, but you, we, we certainly advocate. That's you you that's can't important. slide dollars into the back pockets of politicians, as most lobbyists would do, Ben. We, do, we certainly do not. Right. Um, but also, you know, I think here's the message to, to your uh, listeners and to everyone out there. Um, you know, our, we elect our, uh, we elect our government. 
and in turn, our government appoints and uh, oversees the regulations or the regulatory bodies. And so our, um, our voices as patients, for example, with these conditions are crucial and must be heard by those who we elect or will elect so that they can accommodate our needs. And if we don't raise our voices, if we don't share our perspective, and if we don't provide our perspective so that they understand the importance of this subject, we are to blame for their inactivity. We are to be held accountable for our government not doing anything. So, I, I, you know, obviously I'm, I feel strongly about advocacy, which is raising your voice and educating your community and your elected officials on these subjects. And this is what I'd like, you know, for the folks listening today and, and in the future to understand, and that is to share your perspective, you know, learn about the subject, get educated yourself first and foremost through our organization, but lots of other organizations out there, and then relay your perspective and relay your situation and your wants and needs to your elected officials. And that is the single best way to impact change. Right now, now, with that, uh, the big global healthy living foundation and uh, looking online, there's a lot of uh, individuals involved, a lot of very impressive people as well. Is there an overall strategy that your foundation is looking at to kind of correct how the healthcare system works in America? Because, I mean, everybody would admit it's kind of, it's a mess. You want to ask a more loaded question? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, a brief synopsis. Well, also, just from your background, as you were talking about with the medication, when the when the insurance company told you what you could and couldn't take, I mean, that's got to that's got to still sit with you a little bit and drive you moving forward. Correct? Absolutely. You know, and it's it's part of the reason I'm still doing this twenty, probably twenty seven or so years later. And so, uh, yes. And, and to your uh, earlier question. Of course, our organization uh, wants to ultimately provide a platform for families impacted by chronic diseases to get active in healthcare reform. And we need to reform our healthcare system. I think that's a given. It, it, it is, as I like to say, not becoming of a first world country yeah. whatsoever. And I have always thought that when the U.S., when our country views its healthcare system in the same vein and with the same posture that it views our military and our defense, then we'll improve. <laughs> but um, right now it's definitely playing second fiddle, right? Along with things like education and, 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 and several other issues that obviously we don't have to get into today. But uh, <laughs> we what we've done want. is <laughs> to pivot here to the action. Um, we've created a, uh, we have a, a program called the 50 State Network, and that's a part of the Global Healthy Living Foundation, and it's 50statenetwork.org, and included, obviously, in the 50 State Network is the small but mighty Rhode Island uh, delegation, uh, but uh, 50 State Network is comprised of over 1,500 and growing trained patient advocates and their families that participate in health advocacy activities at the state level where the majority of healthcare is administered and where the majority of healthcare policy and regulations are uh, occurring. 
as well as, of course, at the federal level. And we have lots of resources that are state-specific. So when folks go to 50 State Network, uh, you can join, become a a member of that, of course, for free, participate in some of our training activities. And then um, with those tools and resources, become your own advocate, which, again, is, is kind of our principled objective to give people a voice and give them and arm them with the tools and resources that they'll need to raise their voice. And then um, be a part of, like I said, this national 50 state network of other advocates, which are comprised of people who have hundreds of different chronic diseases, because it's people that have a condition for life, a chronic condition that are most familiar with the healthcare system. You have to be, it is, it's, 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 it's just top of mind. If you're healthy, and don't see a doctor and don't need to see a doctor, you don't think about, and you certainly don't care about the healthcare system. Well, we can't rely on those folks to participate in reforming it, let alone improving it. We, those who are in need of better healthcare and and a healthcare ecosystem that supports us are the ones who must take that um, torch and run with it. And so that's what the 50 state network is all about. Now in its eighth year, I believe, empowering thousands of people around the country active uh, educating around um, legislation that protects patient access to care, that protects patient um, care in general. Uh, And people are invited to go check out the 50 state network to see what's going on in your state. And then what you can do, of course, to to become active. Awesome. Seth we will keep fighting the good fight out there. Trying, certainly trying. (laughs) Um, and uh, we suggest people going to a creakyjoint.org. Yeah, creakyjoint.org, um, the 50statenetwork.org. And if you have arthritis, I should uh, mention this real quick if I can. Uh, we've got a, a really cool app, a smartphone and web app called Arthritis Power, and that's arthrituspower.org. And uh, folks with arthritis can download this free app and track their symptoms, and if you uh, track your symptoms over time, you're able to then share that information with your doctor and have what's called shared decision-making. So at every time you visit your doctor, you could say, here's how I've been doing over time, which is super helpful in making those decisions together. And Arthritis Power is also what's called a patient-powered research network, and it's a research registry Um, where folks are anonymized, which means your name and personal identifying information is removed completely. And then everybody in this registry, um, of which there are about 22,000 people right now using our threats power, all that information gets pooled. And then researchers at top tier universities, um, better universities, uh, you know, the ones that, that that rejected me from college when I applied back in the day. <laughs> um, but these researchers are able to, um, to look at this information, this data as a whole, and, and hunt for the clues for what causes, and as importantly, what helps these different types of arthritis. And that's what arthrituspower.org is all about. And I'm just pleased to be able to offer all of these resources, and THLX is you know, at the forefront of these types of innovations, both advocacy and research and, and a little dose of humor. And uh, hopefully everybody together can live a, a healthier and a happier life. Great, man. We learned a lot today. Seth Ginsberg, thanks for being our guest on the Realistic Fitness Podcast. I'm going to go hop back on to the stationary bike now. All right, man. Enjoy. You tour the care. ride.
All right, we'll see you. Thank you, guys. Okay, bye. If you guys don't mind, subscribe to the show. If there's anything that you'd want to hear about, let us know in the comments below. And please share with others so they can get this great information, too. You found it. The Realistic Fitness Podcast. 